Welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You're listening on EWTN Radio or St. Gabriel Radio. Beyond Damascus is carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hello and welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Aaron Richards. I'm the host for today's show and I'm here in the illustrious Damascus Media Studio with my friends and brothers in Christ, Mr. Brad Pierin. What's up? Good Brother to see you. Dan Demite. Come on. Hello. I, I was telling the guys before the show, I am I am so sore. What? I, uh, <laughs> this is the best. <laughs> this is the best. It, it plays into today's topic. Okay, so uh, this weekend, I, I was walking through the barn here at Damascus where our weight room is. Yes. And two of our missionary guys were there getting ready to lift some weights and I didn't have something happening. And I was like, I, I need, like, I need to, I need to be there. <laughs> I need to partake I, in this. <laughs> I need to partake in this. So, uh, they have been at this for like literally months. They've been doing this it, it pretty intense upper body workout. And I decided to step in and uh, just push myself right beyond like what, th- what they were accomplishing. <laughs> could, just, you, could you say right just beyond to continue, Damascus? Just to continue to show them that I'm still in the game. Yeah. I can I can barely move my arm. Yeah, <laughs> it's been it's been two days. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I tore my. We actually bicep. have medical staff standing by. Ah, uh, yes. Well, anyway, um, we're going to talk about this today. There's there's good reason for why I uh, why I engaged in that endeavor. But okay, great guys. The topic for today is uh, is one of exploring this this concept of of fatherhood, motherhood, mm-hmm. of our our engaging in a relationship of discipleship that I think is unique. And one that I think as, as we begin to explore this, uh, I think, I think this will touch maybe some of the hearts of our, our listeners. So if you are joining us for the first time on the show, uh, once again, this is the show where encounter meets mission, like St. Paul experienced a life-changing encounter with Jesus, that encounter transformed him into mission. So too, we, through our encounter with Jesus, uh, we've got, we've got no alternative other mm-hmm. than to give our lives in mission. And this is, uh, again, just sharing before the show, this is one of the areas of mission that has been so um, deeply rooted in my heart in the last couple of years. And uh, in talking with Brad and talking with Dan, this is one that I think each of us has a lot of kind of synergy around. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to share it with you because uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what the Lord's doing. I want to start us today in, uh, in a prayer that many of our listeners may have prayed called a litany of humility. Mm-hmm. Now, this is one of those prayers that uh, is a little, uh, it's a little aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> to say the least. It's hard, it's hard to pray this prayer. When really. I first prayed it, I wasn't <laughs> convinced I actually wanted what I was asking for. Yeah, which is when I pray this, I'm not enough. convinced that I'm actually a Christian. But <laughs> here we go. Uh, this is, I don't, I don't know who authored the litany of humility, but it reads as follows. Lord Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. It goes on with uh, with a litany from the desire of being esteemed, from the desire of being loved, of being extolled, of being honored, of being praised, of being preferred to others, of being consulted, approved. And we pray, deliver me, Jesus, deliver me from those desires. And then we pray for freedom from, from fear, from the fear of being humiliated, despised, rebuked, calumniated, forgotten, ridiculed, wronged, or suspected. We pray, deliver me, Jesus, from that fear. And then there's a there's a handful of phrases that I think they really just put us out there to the point where I'm I'm confident these things are impossible to pray apart from the grace of of the Lord as it particularly pertains to to sort of this topic that others may be loved more than I we pray Jesus grant me the grace to desire it that others may be esteemed more than I I pray Jesus grant me the grace to desire it that in the opinion of the world others may increase and I may decrease 
Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. And finally, that others may become holier than I, provided that I might become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Now, uh, come Lord Jesus. Those are, those are beautiful prayers. And in my mind, those, those last eight phrases that we pray specifically, um, those are really difficult. And like you said, those are ones that I question whether I even desire. And um, I, I, I want to suggest that in, in my own life and experience, I don't think I had any context for the type of um, heart that this was communicating until I actually stepped into vocation, until I stepped into marriage, and ultimately until I started having kids. To be in that place of realizing um, I'm, I'm made in such a way, I'm designed in such a way that I'm supposed to lay my life down, period, end of story. And, and, and nothing else about this is going to make sense until I can embrace that reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's something about those prayers that um, it's like the antithesis to what we experience in the Western world today, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to build my legacy. I'm going to build Brad Pieron Ministries. And then there's going to be non-Brad Pierons who carry on Brad Pieron Ministries after I die, you know? That was a dream at one point. I, I, well, I, thought, <laughs> I, was just, I was just laughing at the, at the fact that, like, I think a huge uh, movement in my heart actually was the call to Damascus because I think I caught the vision for something that's going to outlive me. And, and I, I didn't want to be a part of something that just lived as long as I did. And so I, I think it was actually in, in the founding of Damascus and the founding of something that had people that were more gifted than me in a number of areas where I gave a yes that I started realizing that. But I, I understand what you're saying too, Aaron, obviously vocation and kids, they teach us that too, but there's something about giving it down the line. Well, recently someone was chosen and I was set aside for something I wanted and all uh, all the things that were going on in my heart, like like for, for the desire to be that others would be chosen and you would be set aside. Mm-hmm. I realized I was like, oh man, I hate all of this is happy inside of me. This is nasty. This is disgusting. <laughs> like this is not like, and it just, it's funny because when, when those things happen, when others yeah. are loved more than you or others mm-hmm. are extolled more than you for something you also should be extolled for or are chosen and you're set aside, that it, it manifests something inside of you that uh, mm-hmm. it allows you to bring those things to the Lord. Like, why was I envious in this moment and as opposed to grateful in that moment? And I think the heart of what you're suggesting, Aaron, is there's a like uh, this idea of fatherhood or motherhood. Well, I don't get sad when my son or my daughter get chosen for something. I get really excited. And when my son's yeah. chosen mm-hmm. to do something, I'm not like, well, why wasn't I chosen? Like, and and nothing happens in me. Like, yeah. envy doesn't stir up in me. Enthusiasm stirs Celebration. up. Celebration, yeah, right. yeah. And if I have a if I have a disposition of heart towards my brothers and sisters or those that I'm discipling of fatherhood, then instead of envy being stirred up in me, excitement and celebration and gratitude is stirred up in me that mm-hmm. the one that I desired to be chosen was actually chosen. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I get to walk with them because if mm-hmm. my son's chosen, I get to walk with him in preparation yeah. as opposed to being left out and mm-hmm. not included. And there's a, there's a total difference. Uh, I remember you, you came home from a, a conference and it was, um, uh, I don't, it was a few years back now. It's been multiple years, but where you came home with this revelation, I don't know if it was taught at the conference or if it was something that stirred up in your prayer, but the moment you expressed this concept of fatherhood style discipleship or fatherhood mm-hmm. mentality in relationship with those that we're caring for, this idea of 
spiritual fatherhood, um, being where you want someone chosen or someone to surpass you, yeah. mm-hmm. it shifted like it, it made so much sense and shifted everything immediately in my mindset, in my mm-hmm. heart. Yeah. It's a interesting revelation. Praise the Lord. It is, yeah. I, I think it's interesting because ultimately, and, and we'll get to this in a couple of different ways, but I, I think this communicates the heart of the heart of God. Like this is mm-hmm. this is one of those areas where it's clear through scripture, it's clear through the church that this is the way that God has has designed us. Mm-hmm. And um, my hope is that maybe, I don't know, we were having a, a brief conversation before the show that um, isn't this the same way of describing discipleship? Like, you know, mm-hmm. many of our listeners are engaged in discipleship relationships, mm-hmm. whether whether I'm discipling an individual, whether I'm being discipled by an individual and I'm leading a small group, whether I'm participating, whatever. I, I mm-hmm. think that there's a unique distinction when we begin to see through this lens, because Dan, like you're saying that like we, we, are, we are supposed to communicate the faith in a way where we are... Uh, we're not only ready, but our intention is that those who come after us would surpass us in greatness. And like you said, that that makes so much sense in the home, but it doesn't make sense in really any other area that we've experienced in the faith, I don't think. Or in life, you know, you don't you don't go to a football game and and desire that your competitor surpasses you, right? And so, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or you don't, you know, you don't mentor as a, a quarterback, you don't mentor the quarterback second string quarterback and hope that they take mm-hmm. first string. Mm-hmm. And so like our experience is yeah. uh, one that is competitive by nature in yep. life that I'm supposed to compete to be the best. And so uh, it, and the only area where we truly don't have a competitive nature is in this, this notion of fatherhood and motherhood. In, that, a, in, in a right in, order. In family. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That we desire our children to surpass us a hundred percent of the time, right? That we want their we want them to to accomplish more than us and do more than us because in their accomplishments, we share in their joy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I was just looking this up. I, I always think of our patron, St. Paul, with this. And uh, he, he clearly disciples so many people, like so many people that he builds churches in areas, right? Yep, yep. And when he's writing to the church in Corinth, he says, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. His relationship with the church in Corinth generally was different than his relationship specifically with Timothy, yeah, right? Like there is this, this reality that if all of us figure out where our hearts are at and we figure out who we're supposed to be in a fatherhood or motherhood relationship with, yeah. it, it actually gives us the freedom to invest an entire heart in that person. Yeah. That yes, Paul loved the church in Corinth, but in a very particular way, he loved Timothy. And I think that can give us a context for discipleship sure. goes wider, right? Sweet. Fatherhood goes deeper. And, and there really is a, a beauty in both of those things. And Paul, I think, manifests both of those very clearly in his ministry, at least from what I, I can I read. Wanna, I want to root us in that there. scripture, but um, be, before we get there, just because we're, we're tossing around these terms, I imagine there's a handful of people who are listening to the show today mm-hmm. who don't have kids, right? Mm-hmm. So, when we speak about fatherhood uh, and motherhood, I think that this is an orientation that that can be seen in two lenses. You know, number mm-hmm. one, there are those who are or will be natural parents of yeah. biological children. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal because you are charged with an authority of of both practical uh, biological leadership mm-hmm. of of building a family with them uh, in in a very objective, practical way, and also you're charged with what what we'll identify sort of as this idea of spiritual fatherhood mm-hmm. and. There's a lot of respect and and foundation for the idea of spiritual fatherhood in the mm-hmm. context of Catholicism. You know, Brad, as you were identifying before the show, that uh, it may come as no surprise. We call our priests father, right? <laughs> right. Um, we call, uh, you know, the leader of a religious congregation of women mother. mother. 
and our our Eastern brothers and sisters call all sisters mother, right? Because it's deep in the tradition as far as you can mm-hmm. go back, even prior to the first schism. So, so this idea of spiritual fatherhood, I would say, is something that, at least in Catholicism, we 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 sort of don't have any educational framework for on how we're supposed to fall into this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's something that I think we we can't pass by. You know, we're we're talking about rootedness in Scripture, and the the primary place of rootedness comes from Malachi chapter four, verse six. This was, this was Malachi prophesying about what the mission of Jesus would be to the world. And he identifies the mission of Jesus will be that he will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about this statement also is that it, it's one of the few promises of God that is connected directly with a, a promise of destruction mm-hmm. if it's not followed. Right. <laughs> so uh, this is again, Malachi four, six. Uh, he will turn the hearts of their parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love when the Lord yeah. is like, I've got a great promise for you. And if it doesn't happen, you'll all die. <laughs> yes. Well, it, it, well, and also like strike the land with destruction. That's what happens when the family breaks apart. Yeah. And, and he clearly lays it out too, because Malachi, he's prophesying 400 years before the coming of Jesus, right? And then it, it's like radio silence in the scriptures. It stops 400 years, 40 times 10, right? season of wholeness, season of perfection, like those numbers coming together 400 years later. And what does Matthew start with? I love when you toss stuff out like that. But what what does Matthew start with? Like, because God is never doing something by accident, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. It's Uh never by accident. Like those words aren't there by accident. And he doesn't start the New Testament with the genealogy by accident. Like the first thing Matthew goes into is family. Remember my promise to David and that his family line would carry the one who would would sit on the throne forever. Like, and, and yeah, God does nothing by accident. So yeah, those words are just so powerful. And to see that Jesus brings fulfillment to that immediately through the lens of family yeah. gives us at least a general context. So today, as we as we approach the faith, oftentimes, at least in, in our American Catholic understanding, is that the primary place of our faith formation should be at the parish, right? Where we receive from somebody. And I mm-hmm. would I would even go so far as to say that you know, Dan, as you were identifying that that perspective of fatherhood, that a, a spiritual father should desire that his sons and daughters actually surpass him. I don't think many of us probably have that type of understanding or relationship even with our parish pastor. No. Right? Our our expectation is that this guy's the holy man, right? And that and that he's called to to be holy so that mm-hmm. I don't have to. Or so that so that I can I can try to be half as good as he is, right? Or this guy's supposedly the holy man, but I'm I'm like better than them. You know, like we don't even give them mm-hmm. the nod that like, actually, I want to submit to your fatherhood. That, that there's, I mean, I, I think there's something beautiful about the sure. the parish priest that's at your bedside when you're dying. Your 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 spiritual father is there for you in that moment. Mm-hmm. I even love watching uh, all of our young priests because it's not an age thing. I yes. love watching our young priests who have embraced true spiritual fatherhood, yep. who mm-hmm. are in their early 30s and are spiritually fathering in such a profound way mm-hmm. the 60s and 70 year olds in their parish yeah. and because they've had formation where they understand the fatherhood isn't um it, it's a disposition of the heart of how i speak to you how i look to you and how i care for you yeah not merely a uh, positional authority you're listening to beyond damascus the show where encounter meets mission beyond damascus is aired on the ewtn global catholic radio network and right here in central ohio on saint gabriel radio you can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com radio podcasts 
or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break. This is Bob Grompy, General Manager of Divine Mercy Radio in Melbourne, Florida. Catholic Radio has been providing Catholics and others solid ground in these particularly troubling times with news including threats to our culture, situational on-air counseling, apologetics for Catholics and others, and biblical teaching for growth and holiness. Catholic Radio is not just radio, it's radio that makes a difference. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. If one person's faith has been nourished by this program, it's worth it. And knowing that people of all different walks of life are listening, but also getting something out of it, that's the excitement I find in it. EWTN Open Line Monday with Father John Tregilio. Monday afternoon, 3 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. You, you want to, so to press in there more, um, it, you look at, you look at the, the connection between what we observe in society and mm-hmm. what we see expressed in spiritual reality as well. And mm-hmm. it should come as a surprise to no one mm-hmm. that, that we're seeing the breakdown of family in our culture as well. Right. And if you identify, you know, uh, in studying social dynamics, what happens in single parent families, mm-hmm. you see that the, the, the entire stability of a child is, is demolished. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got a handful of things to look at here. And, and like, this should shock us that single, uh, ch- children raised in a single parent family are at four times greater risk of poverty. They're seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager, more likely to have behavioral problems, more likely to face abuse and neglect. They're twice as likely to see the risk of infant mortality. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely to go to prison, twice as likely to suffer, suffer obesity, more likely to commit crime, and twice as likely to drop out of high school. Like you see this, um, these observations that we have of what happens when, when you have the breakdown of that family union or mm-hmm. unit. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, when I, when I read a list like that, I see the spiritual connection, like becoming pregnant as a teenager, um, infant mortality. Like how many, how many passionate Catholics have we seen right. who've had a desire to start an apostolate or had a passion on their heart? And because they've not been maturely led, they've launched something before it's ready or yeah. they've, they've not, not had the, the maturity of the discipline or the, or the coaching mm-hmm. to help to do it right. And something that should have blessed the church ends up dying in infancy. Mm-hmm. Or they had a father who told them, don't do that. Yeah. You know, and right. didn't encourage, like, didn't yeah. support yeah. them in their dream, and it's uh, mm-hmm. it's both and, right? That there's sometimes it's they launch it before it's ready, or and they didn't have mentorship to make sure it was a healthy launch, or they were told, no, we don't want we don't want what you bring, which Ooh. no father would ever say that to their child. Like those gifts that you have over there, just keep them in the corner. We don't want we don't want that in the family. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, there's something there's something so true here. Well, I go back to Malachi's words. What did Malachi? speak that the Lord said would happen if family broke down. Mm-hmm. I, I sometimes I think when we read the Old Testament, we read prophecies like that the Lord will like uh, destroy the land. We're like, okay, he's going to throw lightning yeah. and a bunch of fire and it's going to destroy the land. <laughs> or maybe God just knows enough to let you know that when the family breaks down, the land's going to be That's destroyed. What right? Happens. And so like, <laughs> there is just something to 
this teaching that I think so needed in our day and age that like, because here's the thing, like things are going to get hard. Like if you're, if you're, if you're the enemy of the church, right. If you're the evil one, if you're the world, if you're the, the, like the forces against, which I think we overspeak to sometimes, but you're going to come at one thing. You're going to come at family because God's clearly speaking what he wants to bring salvation through. He wants to bring salvation through his son as a father. Okay. Well, we're immediately getting insight into what he's wanting to do. And so now that the family's under fire, how do we bring it back? Yep. And not just biologically, yep. but also spiritually. Like, and how do we submit uh, in a humble way to relearning what that means? You know, I think it's so important. Yeah. Well, and so if there's, yeah, I mean, because you can walk, you can walk into a neighborhood and and know whether or not the dads are present in the homes. Usually, right? If mm-hmm. if you're talking about yeah. this destruction of the land, so I go into a really rough neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Chances are dads aren't around. Mm-hmm. And should we not draw that same conclusion about our, the healthiness of our church, mm-hmm. right? If, oh. um, if we go into a diocese and it's really rough and the, it's a spiritually unhealthy diocese mm-hmm. and the churches are on massive decline and mm-hmm. the pews are empty, there's, there's an absence of effective parenthood happening. And mm-hmm. it, it, it's not, it's not always that there's not the, I mean, there may be orthodoxy, right? The, like, like from authoritative teaching mm-hmm. may still be there. Um, but is, is the heart of a father there and is the f- heart of the mother there? And so if your parish is suffering, mm-hmm. ask the question, are you bringing the heart of the father? And mm-hmm. are you bringing mm-hmm. the heart of a mother? And, you know, I was talking to someone who was a CCD, uh, I mean, a PSR, whatever we call mm-hmm. it, a Sunday yeah, right, school right. teacher. And she was suggesting, man, I have tried everything and I just can't reach these kids. It's so mm-hmm. discouraging. And, and and she's like, I, I teach, I teach, I teach, and they're just apathetic. Mm-hmm. And, and I just asked her, like, because she started to talk about her brokenness mm-hmm. that she had mm-hmm. for them. And I was like, tap into that. Like, that heart that you have for those kids is the power and authority that you're going to have over them. And mm-hmm. get involved in their families. Like, reach mm-hmm. out to their parents. Because she's like, I should do that. And I think it's that the heart of the mother, the the classroom doesn't need a teacher. The the classroom needs you to be mother mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. to to love them in that way. Well, I would say there's only one exception to what you're saying. And I think it walks right alongside it, right? Is like, you, you can tell when fathers aren't present, right? You can also tell when sons and daughters have rejected the love of the father. Yeah. Like that Malachi prophecy is not a one-way prophecy. Yeah. He said, I'm going to return father's hearts to their sons yeah. and sons' hearts back to the fathers. Mm, We have an obedience issue in the country. We do. Mm -hmm. Like where we want to just push and say why we're right and why you're wrong. And we don't submit humbly to learn from those who are in a place of authority that we can trust that the Holy Spirit has put them in. Now, again, I'm not saying that that person's going to be perfect in all that they do. And I'm also not saying to not follow your conscience. What I am saying though, is the only exception. Now, again, I think it walks right alongside what you're saying is we need the heart of the father there. We also need the heart of sons and daughters there, right? We need that Mm -hmm. heart that says, I have something to learn. I am not self-sufficient, right? Like I I can't live autonomously. There's There's a beautiful and a nuanced word that I think pervades theology as well as psychology around this mm-hmm. of identifying what happens when what happens when somebody misses the mark right when i when i fail to be an effective son or daughter mm-hmm. effective or or when mm-hmm. my biological or spiritual father or mother right. failed to fail to lead me effectively mm-hmm. um and and the word of course is a father or a mother wound right right uh, I, I don't want to go too much into depth on that because i think we could spend a whole show addressing sure. um maybe some of the some of the details surrounding that but there's a there's a zero percent chance that Mm -hmm. somebody who's listening to today's show has not experienced what happens when this falls apart Mm -hmm. right um 
all of us have suffered the wound of not having been led when we were supposed to have, mm-hmm. of not having had the needs that we had provided for, or of, on the counterpoint, as Dan was suggesting, of um, you know operating from a place of, of disregard or disobedience in sure. such a way that we're not actually going to enjoy the fruit of, of what is mm-hmm. intended for us here. I, I, like, I like the way that Dr. Dr. Bob Schutz from the JP2 uh, healing, um, healing Center communicates this very similar to how John Eldridge communicates mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that the father wound, the mother wound is effectively a place where the needs of an individual mm-hmm. are, are, not, are not provided. There's a misfire between what I need and what someone who's supposed to be caring for me is able to provide, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It right. might mean that my expectations just sure. don't line up with their capacity. Yeah, so I was about to say, or I have the right expectations and mm-hmm. they, yeah, they don't have the ability to live up to that because of something. But every one of us experience that mis- that mi- experiences that misaligned. Yeah. I was with a, um, a national evangelist uh, who goes all over the country and does tons of ministry to adults and children just just this week. And he, he said something that was so interesting. He's very big, bold personality, East coast guy, like kind of, and, um, and he said, you know where I have the most success? He's like, I have the most success in, in German farming communities. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like you're this crazy East coast. Like, like you would insult them. He's like, do you know why I have the most success there? Because I, I show them the love and the affirmation that their priests and bishops don't. He said, they're so hungry. There's this human need, as you're mm. saying, the father wound, this to, that I have a need that he's like, I look them in the eyes. And he said, the other, the, the priests and the bishops aren't looking them in the eyes. And uh, I think it's so interesting because it, it, he's satisfying a need that the people have yeah. mm-hmm. that the, the spiritual authority isn't providing. And I think that, um, and he's a lay person, right? And so it's not that, the, the priests and the bishops in those areas aren't providing another aspect, but yep. it's that mm-hmm. we all express fatherhood in different ways. And there's mm-hmm. like your, your spiritual fatherhood is needed in your parish, right? Yeah. Because right. your pastor isn't perfect and mm-hmm. he never will be. And he can't be everything because he's himself and he's going to be able to love certain people in certain ways, but there's other people who, who need loved as well. Mm-hmm. And they're like, the Lord's asking you to bring what you bring, but it's yeah. interesting that tenderness that this East Coast guy brings, even mm-hmm. through his boldness, mm-hmm. um, is is more important than the academic rigor. So yeah, that's sweet. That's also the mercy of the church. So the mercy of the church is that, like, so like a lot of times, like I, I can um, overlook just how beautiful what's been laid right in front of us is. Like the beauty of the Catholic Church is that we have Father God and Mother Church and Joseph and Mary, and so like there are things that transcend the current circumstance, no matter how bad it is that I can then look to he who is the perfect father who does have everything. And she who is the perfect mother who has everything. And then the representatives of them in a very tangible way here on earth, Joseph and Mary that we've been handed to then go to and say like, okay, I don't feel like this is being provided for me. Mm. Joseph, how would you provide this? Right? Mary, I don't think this is being provided for me. How would you provide that? Or if I go to the meta, like yeah. mother church, what does she say here? Like how, how can she nourish me back to wholeness? Right. Yeah. And how can I yeah. go to father God and yeah. have him speak to me what it means to walk this line between um, acceptance of someone as they are and reprovement of someone so they can become who they were meant to be. Like, mm-hmm. man, like that's a mercy. And we, we, cause we're in the heart of success when we're in the heart of God. And I think sometimes we just accept failure in this area because there's a bunch of breakdowns that we don't understand and we don't have the right strategies. Yeah. At the same time, there has been a great gift that transcends all that that's been given to us yeah. in the church 
and in the Trinity and in what they've revealed through Beautiful. the birth of Jesus. Where, where I want to where I want to make sure that we that we lead in the purpose of conversation today is isn't to uh, I don't know to drag on failure. Yeah, right? sure, sure. <laughs> so every one of us has fallen short in this area. We always will. And maybe to wrap up that that thought. Uh, Dr. Bob, I think, offers just the most beautiful reflection on this. How do you, we, we don't want to blame. We don't want to curse our parents for failing us. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we don't want to continue to propagate those wounds in the hearts of our own children and those that we lead. What do we do about it? Um, Dr. Bob identifies, he says, uh, deal with the wounds in your own heart so that you will pass on grace rather than more woundedness. So I, I, can, I can come to the reality. I can come to, come to terms with the reality that I have been broken, right? That I am broken. Mm-hmm. And as I deal with those wounds in my own heart, then I can be one who actually communicates grace through a relationship. Definitely. It, the Beyond Damascus is the show where encounter leads the mission. My question, men, is, is this perspective on discipleship something that is optional to us? I, I would suggest it's not, okay? Brad, you identified earlier that there's a number of places in scripture where we see this just so beautifully on display. Mm-hmm. Uh, you recommended Paul and Timothy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Old Testament, we see Eliza, Elijah and Elisha, dynamic relationship of prophet and the one who will follow him presented almost as father and son. We see the way that scripture speaks about family. Um, one of the most striking uh, parables in scripture is, is the, the prodigal son, right? Mm-hmm. This relationship between a father and his sons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want to bring it back all the way. You know, theology of the body always reminds me that, that if we want to, if we want to look for the end, we look to the beginning. Mm-hmm. And the very first command that the Lord offers to us in the garden, he offers to Adam and he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. That's in Genesis chapter one. And I think coming from that primordial command is the foundation of evangelization. And it's the foundation of understanding who we're called to be in family. That I am called to evangelize by means of family. To to uh, that, that fruitfulness, the the very first command of God to man. Fruitfulness is part of my design. And if mm-hmm. if my life, if my ministry work is not is not bearing children, right? It's not bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. Then ultimately, I'm not living up to my potential, right? Definitely. I'm not living up to my design. So if if I'm not developing people. And I would suggest if I'm not developing people in this way, then I'm, I'm missing the mark that mm-hmm. the, the kingdom ultimately loses its longevity, mm-hmm. right? I just saw there was, a, there was an article, um, you know, whether it's to be believed or not, that China is seeing for the first time population line. <laughs> Where, whereas the, the world used to be on this, on this trend of overpopulation being like the biggest deal. Now we see that there's a perceived crisis or at least a promoted crisis of lack of population. It's going right? to peak of, at like 11 billion and then drop precipitously. And, and yeah, and drop to the point of lack of sustainability, right? This is part of our design, I mm-hmm. guess is what I'm saying. And and as as you're listening to the show today, I think what I'd like to leave us with are, are maybe some um, key responses to how can we activate this call to fatherhood, mm-hmm. motherhood, and growth. Well, before we get there, can we speak to the optional piece? Because I, I think it's a good question because you, you could hear this and say, this is a really good model, but it's an optional model like so many other models of evangelization. And I think to the optional piece, you have to think to yourself, like in the family context, naturally, the kids literally look like the parents, right? They're taking on something that the parents gave over freely, right? That's the idea of how the family's built biologically. 
Same thing in the spiritual realm. And I don't think it's by accident that God wanted it that way. It's like, actually what you were carrying in the generation you were in, I want to carry in some way in mine. Now it's going to look a little different. Like I don't look exactly like my dad or exactly like my mom, but I definitely look like them, yeah. you know, and I'm called to carry that out differently now in a very natural way. Same thing with this spiritual idea. I, I really do think it's critical because we can't lose the wisdom of the past. That's another beauty of the church. She has always taught we can't lose the wisdom of the past, but we do have to operate in the present. You're listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Radio. You can listen to the whole version of today's show at www.ewtn.com slash radio slash podcasts. Or check us out on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back with this episode after a short break. EWTN, communicating the faith. So this is the first time I just put you guys on and I'm calling in and it is such a blessing to speak to you. And I want to say to all of your listeners that I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you if you're out there and you are lonely or you are sad, or you don't feel you have much to praise God about, I am praying for you that you will discover something and the Lord will really touch your heart today. How are you listening to EWTN Radio right now? Have you ever wished you could listen on a local radio station? Maybe our Lord is speaking to your heart to help make that happen. Don't let a lack of experience hold you back. Find out how you can help start a Catholic radio station where you live. Powered by the truth of the church and EWTN's dynamic radio programming. Email Steve at this address, radio at EWTN.com. Welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Beyond Damascus is aired on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network and right here in Central Ohio on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. I want to leave us, you know, rather than just kind of sitting in a, in a theory to actually ask, okay, how do I buckle down? And in my discipleship relationships, how do I live out a call to fatherhood yeah. more intensely? Or even in my house, in my parish, like Dan's been or, or Or with my kids, with right. my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Dan, you, you mentioned earlier, this this has been a message that's been that's been heavy on my heart for for a number of years, and I, I think God's got big plans for it. Personally, I've got like a list of I think literally twenty things here. We will not get to twenty <laughs> items. Uh, I, I want to framework it in 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 four words: so seeking, presence, affirmation, and advocacy. And in the context of those things, maybe we can just bounce around for just a couple minutes, uh, reflecting when it comes to seeking. So when I when I seek out individuals in the context of ministry, um, when you seek out in the context of ministry in in small group or discipleship group or where, wherever it is that you find yourself, a, a couple key areas that I want to reflect on are create space for inconvenience. So uh, I mentioned, you know, walking through the barn the other day, create time in your day where you have scheduled interruptibility, right? Um, one of the ways that I do that at Damascus is we've got We've got 60 missionaries close to it here on campus. And every once in a while, somebody will ask like, hey, are you open to a conversation? And I, I've got a setup on my on my Google calendar where I can just send them a link and it'll show them a 30-minute slot at the next availability on my calendar. So I've got an expectation of myself that regardless of how busy I am, I want to be available to you know my sons and daughters, to those who ask for time to, time to be present, time to communicate. 
with my own kids at home, like what that means for me, I had this conversation with Monica last weekend. This is a busy week and, and I'm going to be out of town this weekend on a trip. I, am, I have scheduled time now into my evenings over the next five days for me to play with my children, mm-hmm. like to be present to my children. Because I know if I don't schedule that time, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It won't become a priority to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys think about, about that? I, <clears throat> I think uh, part of seeking is the discovery as well. Mm-hmm. So like what, what is... What's their passion? What's their yeah. drive? Where are they? And you just think about the father's eternal desire to seek us out in salvation history, right? Like yeah. that hmm. that he is a seeker. It was him that came to us. And um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I remember just this prepping a, a talk on um, family one time and uh, asking the Lord, what's the, what's the secret behind like fatherhood? And hmm. he was just, he just said, just engage. Yeah. Like, like yep. to be a good husband, just engage with your wife. To be a good dad, just engage hmm. with your kids. Seek them out. Seek out what needs yeah. done and do it. And um, I think that, that just activity, like there's an element where I've got to do something, you know, that's, that's the father's first action towards yeah. us. Mm-hmm. I think Sawdust. taking active interest in someone's passions just mm-hmm. speaks so much about the love that you have for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I see this in the context in youth ministry. Like one of one of our greatest evangelization tips for youth ministry is look at the shirt the person's wearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. oftentimes your yeah, <laughs> entry sure. point, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. typically I'm gonna I'm gonna advertise something that I'm passionate about. Yep. So if I come to you and I say, Hey, you know, and I again I do this with my kids at home, Diggory, show me what you're tell me why you love Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh and and we can, you know, I have to actually engage. I have an invitation to engage on his turf. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a way that in a way that opens his heart really mm-hmm. powerfully. Yeah. We'll remember the the words of the father at the very beginning after the fall, where are you? Right. Mm-hmm. So the father's heart was to seek out where his son and daughter were. Right. And so there's great wisdom in that. Also, I think the only other thing I have to add is when you are seeking, like like bring to recollection the conversations you've had yeah. with them before. Like tell them the story they've told you. Like just because I know we're going to get into like affirming and things, but what that does, because it doesn't just make you feel sought out for a moment, but you've yep. been sought out as a person. Yep. Like when when God interacts with Israel in the Old Testament, he says that I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Like re- yeah. I remember this story, yeah. you know, I remember this story and that's greater evidence even for family, right? That Abraham was a father and Isaac yep. was a father and Jacob was a father. Yep. And so anyway, but being able to remember as you're speaking to them. Yeah. I remember you saying that you were passionate about that. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Uh, presence. So how do I, how do I affirm um, fatherhood, motherhood in my relationships by my presence? The biggest piece here is uh, that, I, that I, I'd like to focus on is that it's important that a father lets his children see him pray. Okay. Dan, I, I don't know if you've ever shared this on the show, but I remember countless times that you've shared on retreats and conversation, how impactful just walking down and in the evenings and seeing your mom praying with scriptures at the kitchen table was to you as a kid. Um, and I remember having heard that testimony from you, I, it convicted my heart that like, I have my own special routine for prayer. I need to upend my routine so that I'm an intentional witness to kids. So every, every morning now, as inconvenient as it may be, like I take the first half of my personal prayer time on our couch in the middle of our living room so that as my kids are getting ready for school, they get to walk by me reading scripture every day. You know, mm-hmm. not to puff up my pride, but to witness to the fact that like your your dad is actively engaged in relationship with the Lord and interceding for you and mm-hmm. fighting for mission. Yeah, this is his life source. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think just the um presence is just carefree timelessness as well. Uh, you know, I think the mm-hmm. uh 
we can be so active yeah. um, and in our activity, we may not actually be present. I think what I find myself fighting the most for as a dad mm-hmm. is just making sure I'm, I'm home when my kids are home, right? That like yeah. they, because uh, if they're, if they're gone to sports, but I'm at home, well, then there's no presence happening. And there's just, mm-hmm. there's something about time and yep. fighting for time together. Yep. And, um, and the only way you can actually have time together is if it's scheduled, right? Like it's very, mm-hmm. you have to be in the, the culture we live in. It has to be intentional. And so our time at home, of course, has to be intentional. And if I'm trying to um, spiritually father or mother other people, I have mm-hmm. to be intentional on how, how am I making time for them and how, uh, how am I present in their life? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only thing I would add is just a, uh, a, a recognition that FaceTime matters like to what you're saying, Dan, like my, my face being there, right? Yeah. Like there's actually something in the old, well, in the Old Testament, the, the same word that's used for the word that we like translate into presence, it can also be translated into face. Like God's presence is his face. It, it's, it's like a, because there's something about that. Like we were made for interaction in that way. So to your point, like even like those who are traveling a lot, if you're listening here, like the gift of technology, like FaceTime and stuff like that, like get time face-to-face with your kids because it matters for them to be able to see you and to be present to them. Yeah. Um, I want to jump onto affirmation. So one of the unique aspects of authority as a father, you even see this again in Genesis when, when Adam is given the command to, to name creation, that our word actually communicates identity. And certainly, uh, and th- this is particularly true to, father, to fathers in a unique way that it is to mothers. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I love and affirm both relationships to be sure. It, it's, it's so interesting, you know, whether I think the, the, the common example that I think of in this is when my daughters want to show me like their newest flip into the pool or their newest dance move, constantly hear them, dad, look at me, dad, look at me, dad, watch this. Yes. Why? Because, because that, that focus, that attention, mm-hmm. that word of affirmation, it actually communicates identity. Mm-hmm. It communicates value in a, in a really powerful way. I was, again, uh, listening to Dr. Bob Schutz on this, and he made a statement that as a man, um, as a spiritual father, you communicate identity, period. What are you communicating? Right. So it's not as though I have a choice mm-hmm. of, okay, how, you know, will I choose words that affect somebody's understanding of themselves today? No, your words will affect somebody's understanding of themselves today. Definitely. Um, how, how, do we, how do we do that intentionally? I love that. A few years ago, it was, I was wrestling with how do we raise up particularly the men in our community better yeah. and how, what's the secret to raising up uh, masculine leadership. And um, the Lord kind of just highlighted the, the baptism of Jesus and uh, the, it, the Jesus's ministry and his leadership in the church started with the word of affirmation from the father yeah. uh, that this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And that word of affirmation of who he is and his pleasure over his son is what I it, it's it was right before the temptation in the desert. It's what allowed Jesus mm-hmm. to be be ready not only for the temptation and to stand strong through temptation, mm-hmm. but then launch into ministry and know that the destination of his ministry was yeah. the cross. And yeah. it was that uh, that ministry and uh, healthy ministry in the church flows forth from affirmation. Mm-hmm. And, and I started to think about man, like just think about our our, our boys in seminary, like are they getting enough affirmation, right? Because mm-hmm. they go and they're, they're being schooled and they're being taught, but there has to be real spiritual affirmation mm-hmm. coming uh, over them, right? That, that we have, uh, that 
uh, as a church, we have an obligation to mm-hmm. encourage our young men and to affirm them and who they are and what they're doing and how they're doing it to prepare them to be healthy spiritual leaders and yeah. to be healthy priests. And and I, I do, I, and I, you said specifically for the, like an authority that comes from the father, I think also in a, in a unique way, I think we, we often mm-hmm. talk about how young girls need to be affirmed. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a major, major need for young men to be affirmed as well. Um, uh, that, that they, that their identity and their goodness would be affirmed and that mm-hmm. draws something out of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I, um, this is not, uh, I am not the best at affirmation. And it's actually funny because it was just last night, my wife, Nina and I were at a, at a gathering and we were coming back and she actually challenged me on like the way I said a particular thing. And I got defensive in the moment, but I have thought about it a lot since she brought it up. And I, I think I went into this place of like, when she brought it up, like, I just wish my words didn't matter that much. Like, I wish I could just kind of like say it. And just say what I'm feeling in the moment and not have to worry about like ramification and stuff like that. And she was really kind of pressing in in a beautiful way. And I was thinking about it this morning in my prayer time. And the Lord was just speaking something to me like this, that Brad, eventually those who look to you are going to get exhausted by your wisdom if it's not accompanied by the love that will never be exhausting. That eventually like you can have the the wisest words of all time and all of the right strategies and maybe you understand it to a degree that they don't, but there's gonna come a time where that gets exhausting, where that is no longer cherished if it's not accompanied by the love that never will. And I was just so challenged uh, this morning in thinking about that and and what a, what a gift to have Nina to speak that to me. But I, I do think that's part of my recognition too, that spiritual fatherhood, if you're going to step in and really own the faith like you're called to, is not an option. And, and it's going to be um, to various degrees for all of us in the church, right? Like a bishop has a spiritual fatherhood that's very different than your mm-hmm. run-of-the-mill person that you meet in a parish. That doesn't mean that any of us are excused from it. It just means there's going to be degrees yeah. to it. And as I'm recognizing my degree, wrestling with that. I think too, I'm just even, cause I'm trying to think through, okay, how, like, what are, what are different ways of aff- affirming people? And, and mm-hmm. just the, the profound affirmation that Jesus gave to his disciples when he said, come follow me, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, you, you give a talk often, Brad, that goes mm-hmm. through the, the Jewish roots of yeah. education mm-hmm. and discipleship. And that, um, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, if you're out mending your father's nets, you're you're plying your father's trade. It means that you weren't good enough to be chosen by a rabbi. So mm-hmm. the fact that James and John, Peter and Andrew were doing their dad's job, like mm-hmm. their trade, they they hadn't been chosen by a rabbi. Mm-hmm. And the Lord comes up to them and he says, come follow me. The words that a rabbi would speak and mm-hmm. it affirms you're good enough. Mm-hmm. I, like I'm choosing you. Mm-hmm. And that the, that action of calling someone mm-hmm. is a, uh-huh. a word of affirmation to bring them mm-hmm. into ministry. And then that as Jesus ministers to his um, disciples, just even to, to say, go as, mm-hmm. as the father has sent me. So mm-hmm. I send you like, yeah. whoa, whoa, you're calling me to do your saving work. Like no greater affirmation is there to say, mm-hmm. hey, this is actually my job but yeah. do you want to do it? Like I was, yeah, right. I was asked to save the world, yeah. but I'm actually inviting you into the salvation. You're man. in it. Yeah. And I remember one of my spiritual fathers in, um, in high school, he, mm-hmm. he was, he was supposed to give a talk and he said, Hey, I just feel like the Lord wants, wants you to give this talk instead of me. And mm-hmm. I knew he loved speaking and I knew that mm-hmm. it was an act of sacrifice to give that talk away. Mm-hmm. And it was such an affirmation that like, Oh, wow. The mm-hmm. task that you were called to do and could have done and mm-hmm. would have done better than me, mm-hmm. you're actually 
inviting me into. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. There's different ways that's to sweet. affirm, and that's real spiritual leadership over a person. Let's bring that back to Aaron's first point too, because I just don't want to lose it. Like the call of those disciples. When James and John are called, yes, it's affirming them. You know what else it's affirming? Zebedee. Because Zebedee raised those boys to do something greater than he did. Yeah. Which was the whole point. The whole reason that that was such a hard moment is when they came to learn their father's trade, they yeah. were they were admitting that it'll be the next generation that has a chance. But no, like Jesus says, no, this one. And that, anyway. I was reading so that one time at mass. Yeah. This is no joke. I was 20 years old. I was serving, oh no, I'm sorry, 18. I was a missionary on net and I was reading Matthew chapter four as the, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or no, it couldn't have been mass because why would I have been reading Matthew chapter because that's the gospel, and I wouldn't maybe have read you the came gospel. back from the Eucharist, and you were like, "I'm going a, to." I was in, in front of a crowd, and I, I literally said, "The sons of Juju B." <laughs> <laughs> it's not where I thought it was going. It's not, James and John, the sons. Not of where Jujube. I thought it was going either, yeah. but yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah. We uh, can just we can probably go to the fourth point. So Jesus affirmed the sons of Juju B and Juju B himself. This is Zebedee. But, yeah. I want to bring us in for a landing. Uh, this is an awesome that's conversation. Amazing. I uh, maybe maybe we can convince Gabe to let us do another show on this sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got like 12, 12 more <laughs> solid points on this that I'd love to I'd love to touch on. But um, my last one is uh, affirmation. I'm sorry, advocacy and support. Um, one of the things that I think is critical about about a, a father and mother is selfless detachment and generous inheritance. So um, I, I think about like you know. The, the stuff that you've been given, are you utilizing it as, as an intentional tool to build up those who follow you? Um, I, I think of just a couple, you know, simple, practical examples. There's never been a time where I've needed a tool to accomplish a task that I've, that I've called my dad and he hasn't been generous to lend it. When somebody asks me, hey, can I borrow that thing? Like, there's something in me that's like, crap, if I give this, if I give this away, I'm, I'm never going to get it back. Or they'll like, break it. <laughs> that's something that, that's something that I have been, I've been immensely intentional about fighting that, mm-hmm. that the moment that somebody asks me for help or, or to, mm-hmm. to borrow or to use something mm-hmm. that I, that I possess, uh, to be, to be overly generous, intentionally generous mm-hmm. in allowing that for the sake of what it builds in me. And mm-hmm. in them. that's good to know. We can start asking, Aaron take advantage, more. take my yeah. car, take my, <laughs> Make take my clothing. internal note. <laughs> um, and then, and then generous inheritance. And this is the last, last piece, uh, an invitation to give that, that we show, we show investment in the people that we, that we love by, by how we mm-hmm. invest in them. You know, that everything that I have, it's yours. Uh, that's communicated intentionally through, through tithing and MSR. Um, I, I, again, Monica and I, if anybody ever asks us for support, like we, we have to support, that's the commitment we have on her because we need to, we need to adopt that, that mindset. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's beautiful. Well, and I, Aaron, you and I went to St. Charles and, you know, in my class at St. Charles, big college preparatory school. And there were some classmates that came from very wealthy families. And, um, and I would, um, you know, my family wasn't super wealthy. My dad was a a mailman. And, um, I remember like watching right after high school, the guys who, their parents um, had wealth. This, I mean, you know, we talk about this in culture as white privilege, right? But those who had wealth, they were able to excel excel their careers so quickly, right? Mm-hmm. And think about that spiritually through, um, or think about that through the lens of, of of the spiritual life, that those fathers were hungry to give their financial resources to advance their children, um, to advance their children as as uh, as mm-hmm. well as possible. And some of those guys, they launched their careers quick. They were able to start businesses or they were able to mm-hmm. jump into their father's company or their mother's company and get like 
you know, they're all of a sudden they're the CFO. And it's these, mm-hmm. if we, if we had that mentality spiritually that the resources God's poured into me, I want to learn how to steward those as best as possible because I want to give them to you so that you are are accelerated to success mm-hmm. in your spiritual life and in your ministry life. And it's been this like question in my heart too, is like, okay, those that we're caring for, how do the, the three of us, we're constantly yeah. wrestling. How do we take what God's deposited in us mm-hmm. and the and has invested in us and the the spiritual capacity or that we've been given to really leave that legacy or to pass that yeah. on to advance those, the people mm-hmm. after us way quicker. Yeah. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. I, I want to make just one adjacent point, I think, um, because the word that's standing out to me here is advocacy. Yep. And whenever you're in a relationship with someone, the only way that you can hold them to a high bar in what you're asking from them is for them to trust that when they go out on that limb, if the limb breaks, you'll be there for them. Right. So like, I think what ends up happening in the church a lot is we artificially lower the bar because we're not willing to walk out the responsibility on the other side for what we're assigning someone to. Mm -hmm. So whenever there's a a missionary who comes up to Mm -hmm. me and is hungry for something and I want to give it to them, the only way I can hold them to the bar I know the Lord wants to hold them to so they can see how excellent they are is for them to know that when they mess up and they will, that I'm going to take responsibility for that. And I'm going to step in alongside them, right? Like there's something beautiful about that. I'm so struck whenever I'm watching a TV show or something. It's actually funny. Nina and I are just uh, a few episodes in because we we actually rarely watch shows, but we um, watch the first few episodes of this show called Suits. And it has like, goods and bads, like anything, but it's, it's actually like a, a law firm in New York city. And there's this hotshot, like, um, partner attorney who has this understudy. Okay. And the understudy makes all these mistakes because the hotshots sending him into all these places. But what's crazy to see is even in the hotshots, like imperfect, like all of us and has a lot of selfishness and things <laughs> he's working through, but he always steps in and always is like, yeah, that's actually, that's mine. Like I, cause I sent him there. And so, and and what it does is it gives the understudy such confidence to say yes the next time, right? Because yeah, the one who's assigning him to the thing is also being accountable with him. So the advocacy is huge there because I advocate for you. I'm going to send you on an impossible task that you're going to fall short of. And I'm going to step in and assist you right there. Yeah. Uh, Guys, this has been a sweet conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm grateful for your witness and for how you carry this out in in your own lives um, and how you push me as as a as a man as a as a husband as a father my children and in this community to to live this mm-hmm. um, this isn't by accident not optional mm-hmm. and uh, I think if if you're listening to the show today and and you're and you're thinking to yourself okay my heart is convicted I want to live these things um, come back to this maybe come back to this episode mm-hmm. and ask like how how can these points um, how can these encouragements continue to continue to help me to grow as a leader, as one who's charged with, with communicating and with developing and with forming others in faith. Maybe go to those passages too, Malachi, yeah. like see the baptism of Jesus, the call of the first disciples, like just to continue to encourage. There's a, there's a big expectation. I look to James oftentimes, you know, Jesus invites us to teach and to lead. And then he also says, if you teach, you're going to be held to a high standard. Yes, yes. So uh, it's, it's mm-hmm. not optional. Yeah. Um, but you will be held to a standard. It's humbling, right? Yeah. So uh, I, hope this, I hope this message blesses you. I, I know this conversation has blessed me. Friends, thanks for listening to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. You can listen to the whole version of today's show by searching for Beyond Damascus on YouTube or your favorite podcast app.